Hello, and welcome to the first in a two-part podcast series about the operational resilience sponsored by Claims Consortium Group, where we will ask the question, how would the insurance industry respond to repeat the 1987 Great Storm? In today's episode, we will look at the advantages the insurance sector would have today, and on the flip side, the areas where it might be tested more than it was almost 25 years ago. And I'm delighted to say, joining me for today's podcast, we have Carl Parr, the Claims Technical Service Director, AXA, and Matt Brady, Group Managing Director at the Claims Consortium Group. Welcome, gentlemen. So if I come to you first of all, Carl, can I just say, where could you see major pinch points in terms of supply chain capacity in the event of another major weather event similar to 1987? Well, I think first of all, we have to recognise that back in 87, uh, the claims functions were in a, in a very different place to where we are now. We didn't have the uh, panel relationships with loss adjusters that we had. There weren't managed builder networks. Uh, risk management wasn't something really was talked about much. Uh, surge planning wasn't on the agenda. So, um, so a number of different backdrop there. Also, different times. Uh, a lot more paper-based environment we were operating in back in back in '87. Uh, we didn't really have the, the computers uh, that, and particularly the sort of the digital capacity that, we, that we've got these days. So, um, I think. We have to recognise we are a lot more digitised now. We've learned a lot from uh, smaller surge events that we've experienced over the last sort of, uh, 10, 20 years, to be fair. And I think um, technology has definitely uh, picked up and we can use that to communicate and, and organise uh, the increased claims demand that we would get in a, in a major uh, event. Um, having said that, though, we do have to recognise there are some pinch points that do still exist, uh, you know, at any stage, sort of managing a, a massive increase in, in notifications of losses uh, are always going to be a potential uh, um, stalling point, uh, uh, and also right through to, to repair stage, having the capacity of, of, of um, suppliers to be able to fulfil the, the repairs that, that are needed. But, um, I think um, I think one of the positive things is though that the you know, as long as we keep open and transparent reporting to, to be able to understand capacity, then that will help because that could clearly could clearly be a pinch point. Um, I think that's particularly important where uh, we've, we've got more than one supplier operating for an insurer. I think that 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 definitely helps, which is why why we sort of try and avoid solus arrangements. Um, but uh, yeah, so. I think a data-driven approach uh, will, will help, uh, and, uh, and overall, I think that will enable us to react better to um, and make sure we get the, the, the resources there that we need to. Matt? Yeah, I can echo a lot of what Carl has said in, in the vast difference of the environments we're in. But for me, I look at um, an event like 87, um, you know, this is not a, an event like we've seen the Beast in the East or the regular named storms. This is something quite different. And for me, in that environment, I, I see a, a few pinch points or potentially. I think the first pinch point to me is around telephones, telephony and, um, and communication with customers. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we're in an industry that has to speak to people. We deal with people with losses and they need that human touch. But that way of communicating when you may have, you know, 50 times the normal volume doesn't really lend scalability. 
And I can see, you know, I echo what Carl said, that getting instructions in from insurers, I think, is absolutely that first pinch point. I think, you know, we've worked really hard in normal surge events to maintain the phones, because if you lose the phones, it's very hard to get them back. And I think we'll probably lose the phones in the first hour um, of any eight to seven events. So I think that's a, a major pinch point. I think right now there's a lot of talk around labour and materials in terms of repairs and supply chain. And I can see there've been problems with, you know, roofing tiles. Um, we haven't quite seen the labour inflationary cost that all the papers would tell you about, I think, in supply chain. But I think that would quickly accelerate with the with the huge demand. So I think a lot of the structures and pricing agreements maybe have to put to one side, perhaps, if there is an event to, to combat it. So I can see the labour and materials being a pinch point. And then I think the final pinch point for me in a huge event, while everyone's probably concentrating on, on the front end in terms of, you know, managing the customers, dealing with the first part of the claim, you can ignore the back end. And this is where cash flow could be a major pinch point. Um, if you're not getting money out to your supply chain um, and paying them, the works will grind to a halt. And, you know, if, if you look at the cash flow and then the labour and materials area, all those things are going to do is drive this fairly demand back into the system in terms of communications and phones. So I think in terms of pinch points, I think some quite clear ones that a catastrophe would, would bring to the party. So can I ask, Matt, I mean, from where you're sitting, I mean, how can the insurance businesses and the supply chain then coordinate more smartly to ease these issues? I think... But the more um, we analyse this as a potential issue, like I said, this isn't a surge. You know, we all have good surge plans. We all share those. Um, but our surge plans, you know, when we ask to share them with our clients, you know, they, we give them manually, but they're quite isolated. And I think a catastrophe probably needs a more joint up approach across all supply chains. So for me, the biggest and first quick win we can have as a, an industry working together is to talk about catastrophe planning and have a cap plan as opposed to a a surge plan and it's something that goes across all supply of the supply chain not necessarily just um you know the the, the parts that you might think will be affected so for example you know I, I part of one of my businesses we do we deal with caravan claims fantastically useful for me and part of my surge capacity in terms of winter because we're not busy in uh, you know um in in winter typically and i think an insurer has that option across all their supply chains to look at a big plan for a catastrophe as opposed to maybe individual surges which we're more used to planning for Carl, how do you think insurance businesses in their supply chain can coordinate more smartly? Yeah, I think uh, open and transparent reporting and uh, an understanding of capacity and service levels are an absolute key. Um, we've got to have honest dialogue between suppliers uh, and, and ourselves um, so that we can keep that service balanced and, and and the volumes that, that need to be dealt with can be organised smartly. Um, I'd like to think that those some of these days are gone, but any suppliers that treat a surge event as a feast opportunity won't harbour any long-term favours with insurers. So it's um, so it, it's beneficial on both sides to, to make sure we develop a, a robust and lasting relationship, which uh, create service networks and trust. Um, that way we can have better coordination and sharing of, of lost locations so that, that might might help make visits more impactful um the, the the cluster approach is is an interesting one it's sort of in some ways seen as an ideal solution um but we just need to perhaps there's, there's that's not there are some downsides with that and i think so i think it's important perhaps where insurers start off is it's um it's 
coordinating their own supply chain so that there's, there's agreement between those and that the people are, are, that are uninsured supply chains, can, they can start to work together and that will definitely help uh, issues going forward through such an event. And Carl, I mean, you mentioned about the importance of dialogue there. I mean, how has communication improved in dealing with surge events? And again, where do you think improvements could be made? Well, it's funny. I mean, I was um, I was around in '87. That was my uh, <laughs> dealing with those storm claims. That was my first exposure to overtime and, and busy times. And uh, but um, I mean, it's funny to think back now. I mean, back then we used newspaper adverts to to try and get to our customers. Um, I mean, these days we've got a wealth of platforms to to communicate with our customers, and, and we're able to reach them instantly and continuously when required. So that's definitely going to help things um, so as with our supply chain we also need to be open and transparent with our customers and I think we're, we're, that, that's something that uh, certainly acts and I think many other insurers we're a lot more customer centric now so that, that that will definitely help help things I think the fact that we've got more integrated systems with with our suppliers and supply chain will, will play a huge part in, in ensuring that we're in a better place than we would have been in 87 in sort of milestone reporting on-site payments things like that are all really really helpful to to the customer um i think for me perhaps the the main driver that, that would be different compared to 87 is that um is the use of video uh that, you know this helps customers be actively involved in the process and uh, as well as improving their experience, you know, it helps create speed and capacity. Um, so, yeah, and I think also we should bear in mind that we've, we've learned from this. I mean, at AXA, we sort of preemptively reach out to customers ahead of a surge event. We often know these are coming and I think since Michael Fish in 87, I think if anything, the, uh, the weather forecasters are on the, on the cautious side now these days. And so, uh, we're able to give advice to people when we know um, major events are coming, what they can do, and to help prevent damage before it before it happens. And we, you know, we've got a lot of stuff now online, which customers can access, which helps them, which covers all sorts of weather events. So, I think overall, um, smart working has resulted in you know, better access to more effective technology, and that's improved the ability to to react to to crisis events. Matt. Well, clearly, communication between uh, insurers and supply chains has improved because Carl stole a lot of my thunder in <laughs> <laughs> talking about um, how communications uh, improved. I mean, absolutely, compared to 87, you know, we've gone through what's effectively been a technological revolution. You know, we do have websites. We can mass email, mass text people. There are lots of online chat options with customers. Um, you know, there's lots of social media that can be harvested. You know, um, as Carl said, the only social media was the newspaper advert. Um, now there's all sorts of different um, ways of communicating. Um, and absolutely taking into account the, you know, we can use weather data to give people warnings, tell them to tie down that trampoline in the garden, tell them to make things safe. Um, so I think we are in a, a, a really different world. And I think one thing where we are now, which is which is quite exciting, is that, you know, we talked about all the mass communications, but I think the, the latest nuances now are how you can mass communicate, but personalise with customers. How, you know, it doesn't feel like a blanket approach. You can tailor it individually, even though you're doing on mass ones. So I think absolutely those suppliers and insurers who embrace um, the modern technology will will fare a lot better in the communication um, than uh, 
than maybe others who don't. So yeah, we're in a different world from eight to seven. I agree completely with Carl. I mean, one of the big issues that always comes up with surge events is the potential potential to grab a competitive advantage. So Matt, where you're sitting, I mean, do you think competitive advantage will always trump overall industry reputation when managing weather events like this? And how does this potentially impact policyholders? So I think it's a really interesting question because, you know, we are all competitive. Um, one of the mantras we say in our business is that business is won or lost in a surge event. But in my experience, the larger the event, the less important, certainly from a supplier, the competitive advantage in the supply chain becomes. So, you know, if I know I've got the capacity to do really well, being blunt, if it's a named storm or a beast in the east, you know what, I want to show my client that I'm the best supplier you can have in terms of capacity. But the risk comes when the event is, is larger because now if the supply chain fails, an insurer may look at the supply chain en masse and not look at the differences in the supply chain. They might see it's not functioning well and we failed our client. And I think that that becomes a risk where we do want to work together. We do want to prove that the supply chain that the insurer has created works really well because the risk becomes something else. And the risk becomes that the entire supply chain might be uh, changed and we're, and we're no, and there's no longer a competitive advantage. And, uh, and I suppose in terms of sort of insurers, we really like to help our insurers have competitive advantage. Um, they definitely want to differentiate their their products, and, you know. But but maybe there'll become an event where you know an insurer is the supply chain to the general public, and the, what if the general public thinks they've failed? You know, will legislation come in? I don't know. So, but certainly from a supplier's perspective, uh, com- competition is important to a point, but then the greater risk comes in, which is the the failure of the supply chain on mass, and then we will absolutely need to collaborate. Carl. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the main thing that we all want to do is to ensure that our customers get the best service. Um, And yeah, there are some advantages that are understandable of a a more joined uh, approach. I mean, speed of response and a clustered service could, you know, create some efficiencies. But but we do have to consider the impact on supply demand, you know, competition, the quality of work that will come in that space and what control we have over it and the service that, that our customers would get. Um, and I think it's, it's uh, and, and Matt recognised it, it's not just insurers, but it's also suppliers that need to be more joined up. You know, there's, there's options of pooled resource and buying, etc. that we need to keep exploring. Um, but we do, you know, we do have ways go there as an initial step within our own supply chain, as I mentioned earlier, and, you know, actually we've looked to create joint surge plans with supply partners to try and maximise the response and, you know, and, and minimise the impact on our policyholders. But um, I think if all insurers put the, and their suppliers put the customer at the heart of what they're doing and, and see it as a moment to shine as we do at AXA, then overall the industry reputation will continue to grow off the back of such events. Well, that's all we have time for for now. I'd like to say a big thank you to Carl and Matt and Claims Consortium Group for sponsoring this podcast and remind you to listen out for part two when we will look at how regulatory guidance on operational resilience being introduced in March 2022 might inform how insurance companies prepare and scenario test for major weather events. Until then, it's goodbye from all of us. Cheerio. Cheerio.